0: Thank you for joining us for today's Practical Living broadcast, and I pray that through this message that you will learn how to apply God's Word and truths to any situation in your life. Stay with us as we discover God's truths that will transform us. Well, today we continue our series together entitled, How to Stay Sane in a Crazy World. I want to talk to you this weekend about making room in your life for reflection, making room in your life for something called reflection. Reflection. Now, over these last several weeks, I've given you a couple of words that we've been looking at. We've been talking about how do we stay sane in this crazy world. We talked about the importance of reverence, that you'll stay sane by keeping a reverence for God. A reverence for His Word, a reverence for the rhythms of life that you and I need to live in sequence with how God designed us. We talked about the importance of release, releasing our our expectations that life is to always go well, to understand that stress is a part of life, and then also to release the worries and cares that come to us so that we can have that place of peace that God wants us to experience. But I want to talk to you today about this one word, reflection. I want you to say that word with me reflection. This is a very important word. Now I think you would agree with me that we live in a very crazy world. The world is just upside down. When it comes to globally we're dealing with wars around the world. We're dealing with all kind of tension and stress politically and otherwise economically and in our own nation all kind of stresses that we feel around us. I'm sure that you personally are going through things in your own life that can kind of turn your world upside down at times. It feels like a very crazy place and indeed it is. Even in the realm of morality, our world has been really turned on its head in terms of what's right and what's wrong. In fact, it's quite confusing if you listen to the world around us because they no longer seem to hold to any really basic standards of what is right and what is wrong. We've moved past beyond of just being a nation of immorality to what I believe we're very quickly moving toward if we have not yet arrived as being a nation of amorality. We have basically no morality that each person is kind of a law unto themselves, that whatever my truth is, is my truth, and I get to do whatever I want to do, and I'm a law to myself Is the mindset of the world around us, a very very sad and scary place to be. But we should not be surprised by this. Because the Apostle Paul made it very clear that this is exactly what would happen in our world as we approach the coming of Jesus. This is the verse we've been looking at together for the last several weeks. Paul writes to Timothy, to us as well, and says, But mark this, there will be what kind of times? We've talked about them terrible times, perilous times. When? In the last days. We are living in the last days. When did the last day start? The last day started as soon as Jesus ascended back to heaven after his resurrection from the Mount of Olives. At that moment, the clock started ticking in terms of the last days when Jesus will finally return again. Jesus is coming back again. He will return. And we're in this season of time, I gave you some charts last week to describe maybe how it will happen as as we look toward the second coming of Christ, no one knows for sure when it will happen or exactly how it will happen, but Jesus is coming back again and we are living in the last days, are we living in the last of the last days? I don't know. Are we living in the last of the last of the last days? I don't know. But I am confident of this, that we're closer to the coming of Christ than we've ever been before. And Paul says you have to mark this. Be aware of the reality of the last days. What is the reality of the last days? That in the last days there will be terrible times. That means that in the In the moments as we move up to the days, the years, if you will, that we move up toward the coming of Jesus, there will be an intensification of evil. There will be terrible times. The world will continue to go the wrong direction and will try to pressure us, even as believers in Christ, to go the wrong direction as well. And that's why Paul writes things like we find in Romans chapter 12 as he's writing to the Roman believers who lived in a very decadent culture. The Roman culture was a very evil, immoral, amoral culture as well. In that age and time, Rome was a very wicked city and believers found themselves in that environment and he writes to them and to us also and says, don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. What I want you to understand is that living in these days, in these times, we're under pressure as believers. You're being pressured to compromise your faith. You're being pressured to accept the world's definitions of what, what would be right and what would be wrong. The crazy definitions that are now exploding all around us. And we're being pressured to accept and say that's right and that's okay and, and, and there's nothing wrong with that. And so there's a pressurization or as Paul describes here there's the behavior and customs of this world the Greek word for customs that's used here by the Apostle Paul is a word that means a pattern or a mold it's the idea of being trying to someone trying to squeeze you or pour you into a pattern so that you look like act like think like are like them and so the world wants to move you into this mold so you look like everybody else and think like everybody else and you no longer have a Christian world witness about your life the pressure is there the pressure is there we're all being exposed to it and many times it has an influence upon our life and Paul says the thing that affects you most is the way you think because that's that's, that's the whole essence because if the world can get you to think the way the world thinks then the world can get you to act the way the world acts are you hearing me today If you start thinking like the world, it's just a matter of time before you start acting like the world. And so the apostle Paul says, don't let the world pour you, push you, squeeze you into its mold, but let God transform you into a new person by doing what? By changing the way you think. So the primary issue for us as believers is our thinking, because as your thinking goes, so goes you. This is important to grasp. And we can't address our thinking unless we know what we're thinking. That's profound. We cannot address our thinking unless we know our thinking. And there's only one way to know your thinking, and that's through what I'm talking about today, something called reflection. Reflection. Because if you don't have reflection in your life, you will not know what you're thinking. And quite, quite oftentimes, you will find ultimately that you've been thinking the way the world thinks and living then as the world lives. Because you didn't inspect your thinking. You did not reflect upon your thought processes so if you and I are going to stay sane in this crazy world, we must learn something about personal reflection. We must take time and make room for personal reflection in our lives. And so I want to share with you this whole process today because how many of you want to stay sane in a crazy world? Do you? Okay, I know that I do and if we're going to do this there's some steps that we must take we can't just sit back passively we have to do some things to protect ourselves against the influence of the world around us and let me give you two things that we must do here's the first thing for today you and I must learn to practice what I'm going to call time outs in our life most of us are familiar with the term time out if, if you have little children especially as a parent you understand what a time out is right? What is a timeout? Well, you've misbehaved, go stand in the corner, you're in timeout. Go sit in your chair for a few moments, you're in timeout. We use that as parents from time to time as a part of our disciplinary training process. Now, the real purpose of a timeout, the value of a timeout is not just to go and sit in a chair. But the idea of a timeout is sit there and think about what you did. That's the idea. Sit there and think about your misbehavior because it's not, it's not just a punishment. It's, it's hopefully something that's training them to do better the next time. And so timeout is not seen as a punishment as, but as a way to cause your child to do a little bit of reflection. Let me reflect on what I did so that next time I will not do the same thing. See, if there's a timeout without reflection, it's not really a, a true timeout. It's only a break. Okay, They had a break from other stuff, but timeout relates to reflection. Let's talk about athletics for a moment. Every athletic sport, every athletic team, every athletic game has, generally will have timeouts. Why do we have a certain number of timeouts in a basketball game or a football game or a soccer game? Why? Because teams need moments to time out, to step back and regroup and to re-strategize, to talk about, well, who needs to do this and who needs to do that? It's just a moment of reflection. It's a time to refresh and reflect. If it's true for children as we're training them, if it's true for sports and Various other areas of life, it certainly is true for you and I and our spiritual lives you and I need some timeouts in our life because timeouts provide opportunities for us to think about our thinking and for us to regroup and refresh and restore our lives effectively now Jesus talked about this in his teaching on prayer I'm going to take you to Matthew chapter six verse number six and I want you to see what Jesus said about this timeout concept okay. okay. And there's a lot of things we could talk about from uh, this passage. But I want you to see this one particular point. Jesus was asked the question, how how should we pray? And Jesus said, when you pray, he's going to tell us how to pray now. He gives us very specific practical instructions. He says, when you pray, what are you to do? Go into your room. So we're stepping out of the regular activity of life into a special place. And we're to close the door and then do what? Pray to your Father. Okay? The Father's unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Now, as I said, there are lots of things we could talk about here. The purpose of prayer, the place of prayer, the process of prayer, all kind of things we could talk about. But What I want you to see here is that Jesus said prayer relates to a time out in your life. It means that you step away from your regular activities and you you go into your room and you shut out the distractions around you so that you have a time out with God. Why do we need this time out with God? Because that's what brings strength and revelation and understanding to us. We'll get back to that in a moment. And it allows us the opportunity for another word I want to introduce to you today. It's another word for reflection, but it's a word that I want you to get in your vocabulary and in your practical understanding as well, and that is the word meditation. Say that word with me. So reflection is a part, or meditation is a part of reflection, prayer and meditation. We often speak of those two things together. I need prayer and meditation in my life. Now, as soon as I use the word meditation, a lot of you think a lot of different things. Let me tell you what meditation is not. It's not getting your right leg over the back of your neck in some weird position and quoting a bunch of mantras, okay? That's not meditation according to the Bible. I'm glad because I can't do that, okay? That's not what meditation is. The actual Hebrew word for meditation was used of a, ch- of a cow chewing its cud, regurgitating the food, chewing it again, getting all the nutrients out of that particular food. That's what a cow does to get all the essence out of that grass. It brings it back up, chews it again, brings it back up, chews it again, chewing the cud. The idea is getting every bit, every drop of orange juice out of the orange every nutrient out of the grass, everything out of God's Word. So that's the idea of meditation. It involves reflection in your life. And the Bible gives us some very unique promises and instructions regarding meditation or reflection, prayer and meditation, prayer and reflection. Joshua chapter 1 verse 8, keep this book of the law always on your lips. Notice it says now, do what with it? Meditate on it day and night so you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Then when you do what? When you meditate on the law of God, on the word of God, then you will prosper. Your life will go well in the proper sense of that, and you'll have success or victory in your life. The psalmist talks about this also in Psalm chapter 1, verse 1, and also verse 2. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on his law day and night. Sound familiar? Basically what we just read in the book of Joshua. Psalm 119. Notice what the psalmist said about his own life. He says, I, what, what do I do? Well, as the psalmist said, he, what does he do? I meditate. So if David did it, you think it's good enough for us? So David said, this is what I do. I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. I spend time with God in reflection. I take time outs in my life for the purpose of meditation. The Apostle Paul, after speaking a number of things to Timothy, It brings Timothy to this point because Timothy probably didn't understand everything that Paul was trying to teach him. And so Paul gives this instruction that has application for you and me. He says to Timothy, reflect on what I'm saying, meditate on, think about what I'm saying for the Lord will give you insight into all this. I would submit to you today that the reason that many times we don't have the insight that we need in our lives is because we do very little of this in our lives. Are you hearing me? We have very few times where we actually step away from our world and do a timeout where we're actually meditating and reflecting on God and his word and what he's saying to us. And so we miss moments of insight because we're avoiding opportunities for meditation. Now, what is meditation? Let me give you a definition, actually three elements of, de- of, of what meditation is biblically. I'm going to put these on the board for you. First of all, meditation is a quiet timeout. To prayerfully focus your heart and mind on God and His Word. Key term there, many key terms, but it's quiet. Stepped away, it's a quiet time out where you prayerfully focus your heart and your mind on God and His Word. So now, I've had a busy day, I've got busy things going on. God, I'm going to take, I'm going into my room, whatever that is for you. I'm going to close the door. That is, I'm going to remove all the distractions, not taking my phone with me, not taking. I'm not going to sit down with with, with my computer on. I'm going to actually, I'm I'm turning everything off and I'm going to be alone with you so that I have a quiet time out where I can focus my heart and mind. And that just is a moment. of God, I'm just going to empty everything out. God, I just want to get my mind focused on you and on your word. What is meditation? It's also a quiet time of God reflection, which I just spoke of, but I'm going to add another phrase here. And what else? Self reflection. That quiets your soul so that you're better able to hear God's voice. Here's the thing. You and I don't know what we're thinking until we think about our thinking. Okay? And many times you're thinking the wrong thing and you don't even know it. Have you ever had that moment in your life when you finally realize, I've been thinking about that the wrong way. You ever had that moment in your life? Maybe something was going on, you're having certain emotions, and you suddenly, I'm not even thinking about this the right way. And you provides a whole new perspective for you because you change your thinking. And many times we don't even know the thoughts that are driving our emotions and our behavior because we haven't taken time to say, you know, am I even thinking about this the right way? Am I approaching this the right way? And the beautiful thing is that if you are with God and you're quieting yourself before Him and you present your thoughts to Him, He's able then to help you readjust your thinking and help you to see that you're not even thinking about something the proper way. He's able to help you in that regard. You hear His voice. Here's a third thing that meditation is. It's spiritual, mental, and emotional timeouts for properly adjusting your thinking. That's exactly what I just said. Not only are you able to understand your thinking, what you're thinking, but you're now able to adjust your thinking. Now let me just present this to you. In this manner, if you take some timeouts, regular timeouts with God, where you're focusing, you're resting, you're quiet before Him. You've got His Word in front of you. You're thinking about it. You're reflecting on His Word. You're asking God to show you your thoughts and where your life is at this moment. You're just quiet. It's not a. you just open up to God. And he begins to reveal something to you about your thinking, he begins to reveal freshness of his presence to you in your life, and then you get up from there and go back into your world. Will you be more sane than you were before you went in? The answer is yes, by the way, okay. okay. Are you with me? And this is the problem with so many people, they never have any time out, so crazy thoughts are always driving them. Are you hearing me? They get some crazy thought in their head, and this crazy thought about their husband, the crazy thought about their wife, the crazy thought about their job, the crazy thought about just fill in the blank. And all these crazy thoughts are driving them, and so they're living their life because they haven't taken time to let God help them inspect their thinking. So it's valuable to take some time outs in your life and to prayerfully meditate. The Bible's very clear in terms of what benefit this brings to us. Look at Isaiah chapter 30 where God speaks to his people and says this, this is what the sovereign Lord, the Holy One of Israel says. So who's saying this? Help me out church, who's saying this? Who's saying this? God's saying this. Now this would be important to understand, obviously the whole Bible is God saying this, but this is a very specific statement. Only in returning to me and resting in me will you be saved. That's delivered. That's the idea of the word. This is not eternal salvation, but delivered from stuff in your life. In quietness and confidence is your strength. But he says sadly to his people, but you would have none of it. He says you're missing out on some incredible strength in your life because you haven't learned how to quiet yourself in my presence. Rest in me and find the strength that only I can bring to your life. Everybody needs the timeouts of life. You need them daily More than likely you need something that's a bit more extensive monthly and annually, just some times of time out in your life where you're allowing moments of meditation to clean up your inner being, your thinking, and your living processes. Here's the second part that I want to talk to you about. Now, given this meditation that we're doing, I want to add to it a key part of this process. And that's the second thing I want to share with you today. As you're meditating, it's important to review your past and present blessings in your life. When you're in a time out with God, one of those powerful activities that you can ever do is to demonstrate or practice gratitude. This is key. I'm not preaching this message because it's Thanksgiving. I'm preaching this message because it falls into the the structure of how to stay sane in a crazy world. Are you hearing me today? If you're going to stay sane in a crazy world, you will not do it without learning this. This is key. And to do that involves reviewing your past and your present blessings. Now gratitude is obviously a very important biblical principle. We'll get to this in a moment. But it's far more than, than it's not, I don't want to say it's more than a biblical principle. It's been confirmed by psychology and psychiatrists. will tell us over and over again the healthy benefits of gratitude. I was reading a study recently from the University of uh, California, Berkeley. Uh, where they, a few years back, they did a research project with some college students there who were going through mental health struggles. And so they, they, they came to the mental health facility and they were going to do a particular research project with them. And so they had one group it was a control group that they did not ask to do anything specifically. And another group they asked to actually create a gratitude journal. And so they were to enter into a small journal something they were grateful for every day. And so they did this for a period of time. And then three months later they measured them on the scale of happiness. Joy, In their life. And the control group had no change in their mental capacity, their mental health capacity, but those who practice a gratitude journal had improved significantly in terms of their happiness, joy, and mental health. They actually took that group of people who had been involved with a gratitude journal. And they subjected them to an MR test of their brains. And they found the prefrontal cortex of their brain, which is the executive decision-making part of your brain. Where you're making decisions that you're executing your life. Actually had more activity, was healthier than those who had not practiced gratitude. So that's just from a medical, psychological, psychiatric perspective. So gratitude helps you in every realm of your life. I gave you a little uh, diagram here to help us to understand this. I want you to see that when you develop a heart of gratitude as you're meditating, as you're taking time out, that you're spending time with gratitude to God. When you develop this gratitude, here's some benefits. There are mental benefits. We just talked about them. Increased clarity, increased serotonin in your brain, dopamine, oxytocin, increased optimism. There's benefits physically, less fatigue. Anybody said amen to that one, right? It boosts your better sleep, enhances your your heart health, it improves your blood pressure, it strengthens your immune system. Professionally, you're increased in terms of likability, improved productivity, increased positivity, uh, greater connection and cooperation with people. It affects you relationally. Obviously, you're more friendly, de- decreased isolation, improved emotional quotient. It affects your emotional benefits, greater resilience, decreased stress, improved moods, improved self-esteem, reduced anger, increased motivation, increased self control, improved self-awareness. All of those are just emotional. And then the greatest of all would be the spiritual benefits in your life. You have an increased awareness of God's presence, increased faith, hope, and love, increased compassion and generosity, greater usefulness, fruitfulness, and fulfillment in service to God and to others. Would you agree with me today that gratitude is important? Amen. These just describe... Now think, if you could find one thing you could do in your life to help you in all those areas, what would that one thing be? It would be gratitude. That one thing could improve all those areas. It's not going to make your life perfect, but that one thing can make mental, physical, professional, relational, emotional, spiritual, bring spiritual all these benefits in your life. So this is one thing you can do. It's very clear in Scripture related to this. Take a look at what the Bible says about this. 1 Thessalonians five eighteen. Be thankful in all circumstances. For this is, what is this? God's will for you. Notice that. This is God's will. I want to know God's will for my life. There you go. To be thankful in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you. Belong to Christ Jesus. Ephesians 5, 20. And give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So give him thanks for everything. Colossians two. Read it with me. Devote yourselves to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. So let's talk about how we actually do this. I want you to track with me today because we want to stay sane in a crazy world, right? The world's trying to press us into its mold, especially in terms of affecting our thinking. So we have... We need some timeouts to think about what we're thinking and the presence of God and with his word and with his speaking into our lives and adjusting our thinking we need those timeouts and as a part of that timeout we bring into that timeout an attitude of gratitude an attitude of thanksgiving to God because as we thank him and these timeout moments as a part of our prayer and meditation it releases all these benefits into our lives. so what are we to do how are we to do this? Let me describe some things that are important to do. We think about and we thank God for the valuable spiritual lessons that we're currently learning and have learned recently. That's what you do. God, today I'm here in your presence as I'm thinking about your word. I just want to thank you thank you, for the lessons you're teaching me in my life right now. I thank you that you're my teacher. Thank you that you're teaching me how to love. Thank you you're teaching me how to be more patient. Whatever it is that God is teaching you because he is your great teacher and every teacher deserves to be thanked, Correct. Every teacher deserves to be thanked because they're putting something into your life that will benefit your life. And so you stop for a moment and say, what has God been teaching me lately? Do you know what God has been teaching you lately? And if you know what God has been teaching you lately, have you told him thank you for what he's been teaching you lately? Have you thanked your teacher lately? God, I thank you for the lessons that you're teaching me. What's the second thing that you do? You think about and thank God for the specific blessings in your life. Every one of us here today and those of us in the Frederick campus and those that are watching online, please listen to me. Whether you realize it or not, you are blessed. Do you understand that? There are blessings in your life. And you have to stop for a moment and step back and say, what am I thankful for? Not just at a a cursory, superficial, oh Lord, thank you for the food and the water and the ice cream. No, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about getting deeper than that. What are you really thankful for? He said, I don't know if I have anything to be thankful for. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you have the greatest thing to be thankful for. The fact that God's son, God sent his very own son into our world. And Jesus willingly went to the cross and allowed them to lay him on those wooden beams and nail Nails into His hands and into His feet and His blood to be shed so that we could be forgiven and our names could be written in the book of life and we could have the assurance of eternal life and the love of our Father forever and ever. That is enough. That is enough to be grateful for today. But you're blessed, but you have to stop and say, let me think for a moment. So that's thinking. It's very interesting because the, the word that we have in the English language for thank originally the original word was think, okay? So it's just that one letter. So the idea was thinking is necessary for thankfulness and how true that is. So what are the blessings in your life? Think about your blessings. Express your gratitude. And then think of all the ways that God has shown His faithfulness to you and thank Him for it. Not only has God blessed you, but God has been faithful to you. Are you hearing me today? You wouldn't be here today with the blessings that you have in your life had it not been for a father guiding your life and favoring your life and doing things for you that you could have never done for yourself and to step back and say it's not really God only you could have done this in my life many of us we wouldn't even be alive today had it not been for the faithfulness of God in our lives and to step back for a moment and say God thank you thank you my life could have been gone by now. I came so close to it. But you put your angel around, around me. And you protected me. You guided me through these complex circumstances that I found myself. And you opened a door that I could never open for myself. You gave me a, a job, a position. Something that I could never make happen myself. You've been faithful to me, God. So this is the time out. Time out to express your gratitude. Why? Because it produces health inside of you. And then... Thank God for the spiritual victories. They might be small. They might be large. But thank God for every victory that he's brought to your life. Has God answered a prayer for you? Did you tell him thank you? Okay. You might say, well, I've been praying something and the answer hasn't come yet. Have you thanked him that he's working on it? Okay. Have you thanked them that even though you you don't see it, you can say, God, I still trust that you're working in my life. And I know that you're faithful and good. I, I thank you that I'm waiting on your promises to be fulfilled. And I appreciate the victories in my life. Now see, gratitude isn't something God needs. It's something you need. See, God's God. He doesn't need our gratitude to exist. We need gratitude to be expressed to him for health to flow into our lives. I want you to listen to this very important statement. Happiness will not make you grateful. Gratefulness will make you happy. Okay, are you hearing me? If I was just happy, I could be. Thank- I could be grateful. No, 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 no. Happiness is not. Doesn't produce gratefulness, gratefulness is what produces happiness. Let me just submit this idea. We're just about done here. If gratitude is one of the most important things you can have in your life, that you're taking time out with God, studying His Word, reflecting on it, getting your thinking right, giving Him thanks and praise. If that's one of the most important things in your life, what do you think the devil will attempt to do in your life? Do everything possible to keep you from being grateful. Right? Are you hearing me? Of course he's going to do the exact opposite if he knows this is what's going to release blessing in this person's life. So I'm going to do everything possible to make sure that that person isn't grateful. He's working in your life to rob you of gratitude. I'm going to show you several ways that he does this. There's about five or six ways that he works to do this. First of all about busyness and distraction. That's the easiest thing he can do. Just keep you busy. How many pe- busy people do we have in the room today? Okay got a few of you, if you're not busy, come see me, I'll help you out, okay but we all busy, got busy stuff going on, and so the devil and it, I think it was Corey Tim Boone that said if the devil can't make you bad he'll make you busy, okay, because you forget God you lose perspective and you don't spend that time out, so that's easy for all of us to understand, so that's the first way the devil will try to rob you of these timeouts and your, your gratefulness, second of all through obsession with more, okay I have nothing against uh, material blessings in your life. It's a great thing when God blesses you materially. Fantastic. I hope that every one of you are blessed greatly. It's great to have the things that God will give you in your life. Nothing wrong with things, but everything's wrong when things have you. And you become obsessed, with well, I've got to have more. I'm not happy with what I've got I've Got to have more, 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 more. And so I'll be happy when I have this. I'll be happy when that comes to my life, when I get that. No, that's never going to make you happy. Obsession It's not just the more. It's obsession with more that's going to rob you of gratitude in your life. Here's the third one. Comparison to others. This is the biggest one, Okay. The devil will do everything possible to cause you to stop looking at your life with gratitude and to start comparing your life to somebody else's life that you're going to always perceive as a better life than you do. This is the way it works. Please listen to me today. You will never win comparing yourself to somebody else. You never will. God didn't design you to live somebody else's life. God designed you to live your life. You're special to God. He has a special track for you to run on, a special lane for you to be in. And when you start comparing yourself to other people, you're going to always end up a loser. One of two ways. You'll be a loser by comparing yourself to someone and say, man, look at them. They have everything. They have a better life than I do. And before long, all of your self-worth and sense of value and purpose will be drained from your life. You'll be depressed and discouraged because you now are looking at their life as better than yours. Or on the other side of it, you can look at somebody's life and you can be proud of your life compared to theirs. And that's just as destructive in your life. So you never win by comparing yourself with someone else. Don't step in to the comparison track because it will cause you to be a grumbler instead of a person of gratitude in your life. Are you hearing me today? The devil will do everything to try to make you do this. Here's the next thing. Habitual grumbling and discontentment. Let me talk about this one just for a moment. Some of us have just, by reason of either the families we grew up in, or just something that's happened in our own personality, we just habitually grumble. I mean, it's just just our nature, and so we just—it's it, the, the grumbling, the negativity—is just a part. We don't realize it even in our lives. If you wonder if you're a grumbler or not, ask your spouse; they'll tell you. Okay. Or Carrie, just take your phone with you and just turn it on record all day long and listen to yourself talk okay? and you'll be surprised at how many negative things that you say and how many negative things that you speak it just habitually it becomes a part of your life and so you have to break the habit, you have to say no this is not a good habit for me because I realized that gratitude is the way to all those benefits that we talked about a few moments ago. I don't want, I want to stay sane in a crazy world. I'm making myself crazy with all this grumbling and all this discontentment in my life, okay? So a couple more here. We're just about done. Here's a big one. Read it with me. The grass is greener syndrome. Anybody ever found yourself in that one? Okay. That will rob your gratitude really quick because you're looking at somebody else's lawn and man theirs is so green and yours looks so dry okay. man the grass is green I, that's what I need I want that suffice it to say a little statement I've said before probably say it a million times again because it's so true the grass is never greener on the other side of the fence the grass is greener where you water it amen so you can turn your own grass green if you start watering it, okay? Another statement is, bloom where you're planted, right? Okay. So you have to realize it's not true. Because when you compare yourself with others, and you look at others' lives, and you say, oh, the grass is always greener than, than on, on their side of the fence. Here's the thing that happens to you and me. The reality is, their life is no better than your life. It's just different. And if you had their life, you would, look, you would probably want yours back, Okay? Yes. <laughs> Because we tend to romanticize other people's lives and victimize our own. Are you hearing me? We romanticize what somebody else has. Well, if I was just like them, this would be awesome. And then, but look at me. I'm this victim of all these circumstances. And we've, we, we completely turn it around. We miss the essence of the blessings in our own life. Let me give you the last one. And we're just about done here. Read it with me. Living in the next rather than the now this is important so many people say I will be grateful and I will be happy when I will be grateful and happy when this happens when I get a new job when I get a new house when I get a new husband when I get a new whatever okay, okay. caught you on that one didn't I okay It's the when-then syndrome. Are with me? When-then. So we live in the next. I'm going to be happy when I get over there. Okay, But you have to understand. This is the, this is the lie of the adversary. There really is no next. Because as soon as you step into the next, it's a now. And so what happens is the enemy is always leading you one step ahead to make you discontented in your life. Because you're saying, well, I've got to have the next thing. And, and, and if I just get there, everything will be great. And, and now, now I'm here, but I really need to get there. And so it's always a, it's always a carrot on a stick that you can never reach. Okay. Because you're not living in the now. You're living in the next. Jesus said, when you pray, pray like this. Give us this day our daily bread. He didn't say give us tomorrow our daily bread, but this day our daily bread. Don't fall prey to the living in the next instead of living in the now. What have we talked about today? How do you stay sane in this crazy world? And dear ones, it is crazy. It is a crazy world. How do we stay sane in a crazy... How do we keep ourselves free from being pressurized into this world? You've got to have some time outs in your life. If you don't take time to pull away and be with God and be alone with Him in a personal, meaningful way where you're studying His Word and letting Him, reflecting on what He's doing in your life and adjusting your thinking and producing gratitude in your heart, I promise you, you are gonna go, you're going to go crazy with the world around you. But if you will take time alone with God, pull yourself away and be grateful to him, I promise you, according to God's word, it will help you stay sane in a world that's very crazy. Would you bow your heads together with me today as we pray? Father, we come before you in the wonderful and precious name of Jesus, asking that... Something that's been said today would settle deeply into our hearts. You've been talking to us about something. There's a word for every person today. And I pray that before we head out of this place, that you'll make real to us that one word, that one thing that is the adjustment to our lives today. Seal it in our heart by your Holy Spirit. Help us to live it out for your glory and for your honor. We thank you for it. And I would encourage you also to check out the resources on our website that will help you to get going in your relationship with Jesus. You can find them at church-redeemer.org. Get those into your hands. Get started in your new life with Jesus Christ. Thanks again for joining us today. May God bless you, and we look forward to seeing you next time.